Okay. Yes. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Pure Lunacy with Priscilla. I have my amazing friend, Miss Anna. She has taught as a professor of political science and she now works in information technology with a global Fortune 50 institution. Amazing person, if I do say so myself. Uh, has a bunch of knowledge, so much knowledge, so much insight. So I figured, you know, this round, let's let's have a conversation about everything that's going on um, and, you know, have a perspective where we can analyze, take our, uh, you know, positions of where we may lay or lie in terms of politics and just talk about what's going on with COVID-19 and our country, our state, and our local government. So, Anna, say hello to my pure lunatic world. Hello, everyone. Um, first of all, I do want to say thank you to you, my lovely, lovely friend whom I have respected and been a cheerleader for for about a decade now. I can't believe yes. that. Um, I am, I'm very, very proud that you're in my circle of friends and I respect you for trying to do this again, trying to inform people, trying to help us all stay sane when we're all quarantined. Um, I'm absolutely ready to get into it. You know, we just had a Trump presser. Did you get to see any of it? I saw bits and pieces. Um, I, I will say this. One thing that I always find good is, and I know that some people don't view it that way, but there's a certain level of optimism and... <laughs> I saw your face. <laughs> I think okay. I'll put it like this, and I'll put it in this perspective. I I think that it's very easy whenever we are dealing with something that feels like an apocalypse um, to go down that road, to go down that Mad Max, stand in line and go buy a gun and buy all the toilet paper, and <laughs> it's very Tommy easy for to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, and I think that how he attempts to bring a certain level of optimism and saying, you know, we're going to get back to business. We're, you know, we're going to conquer this. I think that that's something that's needed um, from both sides of the aisle. And I think that that's something that he definitely is trying to uh, convey in his message. Yeah. And I, sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's uh, where I'm coming from when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I don't disagree. That's the type of message that we need right now because we are living in, very interesting times, no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, yeah. everybody's got a feeling about this. We're all up in our feelings. And when I look to federal leadership, I want them to provide, first of all, facts. And second of all, kind of that healing, uniting balm yes. that we need in times like these. And I'm going to say something. I, me, the most liberal person in Texas is going to give credit as an example, you know, George W. Bush in the wake of 9-11. Oh, yeah. Regardless of how we may feel about the policies that resulted from that event, I don't think that it's up for debate that, you know, in the wake of that incident, he came out and he gave us what we needed, exactly. you know, something to rally around and something to kind of help calm our nerves. And so... Yeah. I want to see him do more of that. And I want to see that from our local leaders, too. That's been yeah. a interesting um thing that maybe has not been happening as much as it should in dfw what do you think you know i i've seen how things can function in front of the camera and how things can function behind the camera and um i feel right now as if our local leaders are just 
one, they're, they're being bombarded with a lot of facts, a lot of information, um, not only local numbers, but they're getting a lot of information federally. So um, my perspective, at least, whenever I see our local leaders in front of the camera is they're just trying to get as much of the information they can out. And maybe that doesn't always convey the uh, positive <laughs> spectrum <laughs> of getting the news out. Um, but I don't think that, um, you know, it's an indicator of that they don't want to be positive. I think that it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's all at once. We're all, um, we're all getting this information and going with the flow and rolling with the punches as they come out. Um, now, you know, I always do preface that, you know, I've worked in local government. I've worked in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. I've, you know been behind the scenes so my perspective is always going to be a little bit more understanding of why the perspective in front of the camera may not necessarily be what is the reality of what's happening behind the scenes yeah and that's that's a fair point i think my my concern has been more focused on the fact that especially in DFW, I would have liked to have seen just a coordinated regional response mm -hmm. to this rather than, you know, the same old stupid Dallas-Fort Worth fighting, you know, I know you've heard it. Um, <laughs> and quite frankly, you know, Arlington and Fort Worth were a little slow to kind of get on board with the seriousness of this issue. And I think it's impacted the behavior of our citizens here. I've mm -hmm. absolutely seen people in Tarrant County out and about not taking it as seriously as they should. And I think you and I, <laughs> you and I kind of got into this a little bit the other day yeah. um, about how we should take it seriously, but not panic. Right. Right. Um, and what I'll say to this is actually an interesting question that I was asked um, just, I think, last night. Um, one of the questions I got a, a private message was, you know, why, why are we seeing the county judges at the forefront in the media and uh, why aren't our mayors doing more? And I think the, the biggest factor when it comes to this emergency is um, one, it's an emergency that affects everybody. It doesn't affect one city. It doesn't affect one county. It doesn't affect one state. It's literally, it's, it's affecting all of the us. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest factors that's playing a role in how we perceive it to be piecemeal, you know, uh, like you said, Tarrant County, Dallas County, Fort Worth, Dallas. I think one of the biggest factors is the fact that our local government charters, our local government statutes and codes, it, it sort of is piecemeal. <laughs> and you know what? You, if anybody knows, you know. Because you right, talk, you talk say, on the side. You, right? you, and I, you and I could talk about how jacked up this <laughs> government is. Like how many Texas, times have yeah, we been through? We could talk, you know, we could talk Nobody about the fact that Texas, Texas government. Has, yes. <laughs> Texas has Texas Constitution. Every few right. years we have amendments because that's the only way right. to get something done. Or It's just, it's the reality of the fact of how our... Um, we're very decentralized yeah it, it's the laws that are in place it's the statutes that are in place and i think that that's playing the biggest role in how our local leaders are making the decisions that they're making and why they're allowing 
they're they're kind of having to negotiate of how to approach this kind of emergency because this is something brand new we've never dealt with something like this before absolutely so I, I think that it's i wouldn't say that you know i wouldn't put all the blame on our leaders per se i would say that this is gonna put a spotlight on some holes some big loopholes and some big issues that we have in our law and our statutes and how our governments work at each level whether it's local state or federal um, absolutely because we've never had to address it before i think one of the greatest examples is katrina in, yeah in uh, louisiana in speaking New Orleans. of bush missing the ball on that <laughs> i'm just saying yeah but anyway. you know one of the biggest factors in that tragedy was the fact that there were laws in place that were limiting how much the federal government could aid and the state had their own laws and the parishes wouldn't communicate and because all of the leaders were gone, you know. And plus, you know, a lack of leadership. Let's be honest. Brownie did not do a heck of a job. Okay? Oh, uh, <laughs> You're going there. She's going there. <laughs> I, had I, you. I had to. I had to. And that's not like being partisan. That's just being serious. Like at that point, just to say something very briefly, the people in charge were not competent enough. And I also actually think that's a bit of a question here. Um, looking at how the person in charge of our federal government has appointed people to agencies that perhaps don't have salient experience for a crisis like this. And one thing that I've noticed in all these briefings uh, is who we can actually trust to listen to. For example, Dr. Fauci. And you he's know, amazing. He's great. He's, he's great. Been there since um, I would, yeah. And I would encourage anybody um, who might be watching this if they need information, if they want facts, to pay attention to what this gentleman's saying because he's been very realistic and informative. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that my point being that I think there might be a lack of confidence in the head of these agencies and in the processes that exist mm -hmm. and you know, you as somebody who worked in D.C., I would love, I would love to hear what your friends that work at all these federal agencies have to say. Have you spoken to any of them? Um, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I'm starting to. Ignore me know, smoking. This is why I can't catch the Say Rona. no. Say no, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Pure lunacy does not condone. Does not me. endorse this. <laughs> this my, my views do not represent pure <laughs> lunacy. They are mine and mine alone. <laughs> I've done my disclaimer now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I love you. We're anyway. all hold up, you know. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. Everything we say is deep. It's all good. Of course. Yes. Jesus. But yeah, so, you know, um, Corona. <laughs> Rona. Miss Rona got me bent. <laughs> Miss oh, Rona. She, Miss Rona. She's, she's mean. I don't like her. <laughs> I don't like her either. She needs to, like, go away. I know. But I will How, say like, this. Go I, ahead. Go ahead. I don't think the Western world in general, I don't think Europe, North America, South America, I don't think any of the Western world in general took this seriously. Girl, girl, I got something to say on this. Okay. Yes. Relevant to my experience working for, again, a global Fortune 50 financial institution that yes. everybody has definitely heard of and is too big to fail. <clears throat> 
Um, we are global. We have offices in Hong Kong, Singapore, Manila. Mm -hmm. I mean, you name an Asian, a major Asian city, and we've got some kind of facility there. And two months, a solid two months before everybody over here started taking it seriously, my colleagues in Asia, I'm not kidding, were afraid to go to the doctor when they were sick because they didn't want to catch the coronavirus. And my company actually kind of got ahead of this a little bit um, by starting to transition them to remote work. So I know, I know how serious this is because I have constant communication with people in that side of the world. Mm, and it's right. part of what's caused me perhaps to be a bit more diligent mm. um, than other people in my life. And I could right. say a lot more on that, but I obviously want to give you no, <laughs> I mean, I agree. I think culturally, just in general, in the West world, we're all, you know, we're gung ho about individualism and having that freedom to do what we see fit. <clears throat> Evangeline Lily. <laughs> but, but in the COVID same respect, yet. I think that we're starting to realize that just because I'm free to do so, maybe I should take other factors into consideration of how I should utilize and express my freedom and I don't think we were originally doing that with this virus I think we were just I'm free I'm gonna do what I want I need to go to work I need to pay my bills and I got stuff to do yeah. and um our and that's understandable but our, our structure our economic structure our social structure is so dependent on this concept that now that we're having to face something that's shutting it all down um, and basically saying stay home and don't move or don't go out don't don't you you gotta move you gotta move a little but you yeah gotta you move. gotta move you gotta move other people to the best of your ability yeah you know I, I just that's the I, bottom line dude in Brazil like in February they still had carnival just, right like, are you kidding me? Seriously. Like, and, the Rona, it's coming. The Rona. And may, I, and may I say, as a native Floridian, all of you little jerks who went to the beaches over spring break. Yes. Gen Z. Mm. It is not millennials. Millennials, mm. we are all old. We got bad bags. No. We, are, we are working full time. We don't get spring right. break. It is not millennials. Right. Yeah, the youngest of you guys is what, like 23, 24 now. Oh, so, yeah, we're, we're talking it's maybe even older. Young, young folks. Yeah, but the you, they're, of they us were are almost 40. Yeah. How does that feel? I, you, I'm fabulous, honey. Welcome. If JLo can move around the way she does at 50. Seriously. Uh, seriously 30 is the new then, 15. <laughs> if I may say, 46. Fabulous. Fabulous, honey. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Flip it moment. You got to have that though. Again, Corona Miss craziness Rona. in the brain. Miss Rona makes us make jokes. But <laughs> I will say to. this. I saw in the news that quite a few of the kids who were on spring break got Corona. Yeah. You, you didn't this know? This is my shocked face. <laughs> what? You got they Corona? Got and no I was, way. <clears throat> side note. If you see me... um breathing coughing. hard or coughing i have really bad allergies right now Same and here. an inhaler so oh i have one of those too yeah no seriously this is time i gotta tell you it's been a little bit weird you know i'm like 
Is it allergies or is it the Rona? <laughs> is it the Rona? <laughs> Allergies, Rona, one of the three. Take your pick. One of the three. Yeah, and seriously, yeah, it's been a little. It's been a little concerning. You know, I've got yellow stuff all over my yard right now. Um, and I just I keep. I keep saying this is the worst time to have allergies because you don't know if it's Miss Rona. You don't know if it's just your seasonal allergies being a jerk. Yep. <laughs> yep. Welcome to Texas in the spring. Oh uh, yes, yeehaw! <laughs> Everything's bigger in Texas, including my allergies. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. So, I think um, something that might be helpful, frankly, for anybody who's watching, is um, a, just a little quick discussion about authoritative sources. Something that I know that's very important okay. to you as a professor um, and, and to people with our background. Yes. Um, in a time where we're so highly polarized politically as a society, everybody in politics, like we're all entitled to our own opinions. That yeah. is a given. And that's the beauty of our freedom. Yeah, but, but we're not entitled to our own facts. And so True. regarding authoritative sources, where have you been looking for information on the virus? Where have you been looking for information on how to stay informed? Yeah. Um, that's one of the questions I get a lot. Every I semester. Figured. Every semester I teach, um, everybody, all, just all my students in general want to know, where where do I get the facts? And where does Dr. Benzo go? Yes. And when it comes to politics, when it comes to news, when it comes to that kind of information, I always tell folks, um, glean from all sources. And when you start to see the thread of familiarity with all those sources, that's where you're going to see facts, right? Yeah. So if you see a similarity, a thread of similarity with MSNBC and Fox News, I know it sounds crazy, but it can that's happen. Gonna be fact, right? Because <laughs> MSNBC is going to be liberally biased, Fox is gonna be conservatively biased, which is fine if you're reaching out to your audience. Um, but if you want to get the facts, I always look for that thread of knowledge. Now in terms of something like this, <clears throat> coronavirus, um, don't just look at mainstream media. Go to academic sources, go to research sources, go look at John Hopkins, go look at Harvard, go look, Go look at, um, you know, a lot of the international news sources, they are usually translated into English. So go look at international news sources and see what information they may have there because sometimes our news sources may not have the veracity of, you know, the news in say China or yeah. Russia or wherever. Um, so when it comes to at least this virus, uh, I'm, I'm gleaning from a lot of sources. Of course, mainstream. I always, I always do mainstream. I do Fox. I do MSNBC. I do yeah. um, CNN. I, I do everybody. I do Huffington Post. I look at Breitbart. I look at um, Al Jazeera. Ooh, you have a higher tolerance for those places than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I look at. I, I really do. I really do because a lot of times you'll see that the facts that are provided here are not necessarily provided there, but that thread of knowledge. You gotta piece it together. When you start connecting all the information that's available from all your sources, that's when you have a bigger picture than just the framing that's being provided from one source. 
Yeah. Um, for me, the only, honestly, I think the only thing I would add to that is something that I've been trying to rely on um, locally, mm -hmm. and that is my county public health department. Amen. You know, um, people can Google that up if you live in Tarrant County, just Tarrant County Health Department. They actually have a page that's dedicated to COVID 19. Yes. That's Dallas been county providing too. some, yeah, Dallas County. I'm sure, or I would hope. <laughs> that most of the counties are starting to provide this kind of yes. information. That's mm -hmm. a good way to track it. And you mentioned Johns Hopkins. They have a great uh, coronavirus heat map mm -hmm. that is showing all the trends and how it's spreading. Um, and then one more thing that <clears throat> that I've been clearing my throat because of allergies. Allergies. <laughs> um, one, one other thing that I've turned to you is Actually, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's daily press briefings. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's interested That's can impressive. find them at governor.ny.gov. He yes. does them every morning, roughly 10 o'clock central. Obviously, it's New York focused because they're an epicenter of one of the outbreaks. But he discusses a lot of the challenges that governors, people at the state level have had in trying to ramp up in preparation for this virus and also flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. um, he's provided some very calm, factual leadership that yeah. I personally have appreciated. So I would recommend that to anyone. You know, again, it's not partisan. He's doing his job as governor and it's a great insight into how all of these elected officials are dealing with it. You know, if you want to know how government works, look to them in times of crisis, see what they do, see the decisions that they make, how they lead, who they surround themselves with. True, true. And I will say, um, I, I do have a little bit of a caveat. I have the honor and privilege of knowing people who are in the field, right? Um, awesome. And I think that that's one of the, the greatest things is just being in contact not in person, social distancing, <laughs> but yes, social distancing. There Way you go. Better. But not emotional distancing. We can still no, say never. <laughs> but I do know, you know, quite a few people who are nurses, who are doctors, and I think yes. the the greatest honor of all is that I have a cousin who is an epidemiologist. Um, really? Yes, in Brazil. Oh, wow. I won't. I won't shout out her name. I don't know if she wants to. Yeah, yeah, but but that's a fantastic resource. Yeah. You have somebody to talk to who is yeah. basically on the front lines, and that's amazing. And it's real. It's real. So, and I'm I'm sure um, I speak on behalf of everybody watching this when I say give her a big old high five. Oh wait, that five. didn't work. Boom. <laughs> yes, yes. So I love I love to brag on all my peeps. Um, oh yeah, including you. Yes. I'm just a loud mouth. Uh, yeah, I have a cousin on that front line as an epidemiolo yeah. epidemiologist uh, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. And, uh, Interesting. Very proud. very proud of you, cousin. I love you. I love you, too. Seriously. Um, but can we, uh, on, on that note, you know, can we just, as a society, like come together and recognize that we socially need to put more love and more affection and more respect to more people than just celebrities? Oh my God, yes, please, seriously. <laughs> like we pay, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm part of the problem. I'm gonna admit something. I love reality TV. It's just, It's okay, baby. We all have our things. Our <laughs> we all things. have our vices. 
We all have I our love reality girl. TV. So girl. I contribute to the problem. I read delisted every day. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, you talk to me about any of the housewives, and I am there. I got but, you. But <laughs> I feel like you know we need to highlight and we need to just give a round of applause and thank yous and money and do you know we need to do so much more for our nurses, for our doctors, oh my for gosh, our police yes. officers, for our firefighters, for our teachers, for our social workers, for the people stalking our shelves in the middle of an pandemic. Yes. Yes, and and I would even take that a step further and say we really need to start valuing all those people out there that live paycheck to paycheck. Like in all seriousness, about 90% of my social circle right now is either service industry in bars and restaurants or they're musicians. And these people, these creatives and these service industry workers provide so much for us as a society that we rarely acknowledge. And this is maybe an opportunity for us all to kind of recalibrate and to step back and go really, what actually matters? What do we value? Yes. What is really important? What connects us? Exactly. Does what Jen and Brad are doing on the red carpet really matter? Thank you. No, No, it does not matter. No, hard no, hard no. It like I honestly could not give any less f's. (laughs) Give it, y'all. Give it applause. Seriously, that was so hard. I could, I could not give any less of those about what Kim Kardashian has to say or Evangeline Lilly or like, but I will say anybody. this, I, I'm not going to knock on Kim though, because Kim is, doing Oh, I'm going to knock her. Listen, listen for justice. reform. No. She is on the forefront of justice reform. She's at least lending her <clears throat> voice to something that's huge. I don't that, believe she's in law school. Shh. It's true though. <laughs> Watch when she, when she, when she passes her bar and when she's over there, standing up for all those people and she's making her daddy proud in his grave and here it is this is a perfect example like this seriously like (coughs) even that 30 little seconds like i really don't need to know about those things i really don't need to know anything about her celebrity life like if she wants to go be an advocate that's awesome but in the grand scheme of things these people that are famous these people that are pushed on us in the media these people that you know have their deals with their paps and get their photographs None of that matters. Next. What matters Next. is, for example, the connection you and I have mm-hmm. that spurred this idea to have these kind of conversations. Yes. Um, the connections that we make out in the real world, even though we're all relying on social media a lot right now, what really counts is what happens in our day-to-day interactions with people. And we need to remember that and we need to hold on to it and yeah. value it. And my God, like as soon as we can all get together again i would love to see changes in behavior that put those values to the forefront because i think that's where our commonality is you know like you and i a lot of people watching this don't know that there are some places where you and i are so diametrically opposed politically yeah you know but 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 we have love for each other Absolutely. on a human level love and we and have that connection. Right. Exactly. That, and that's, that's, that's a big factor to that love. You know? Yeah. You don't love somebody if you don't respect them. Precisely. And 
I would like to see that in everyday relationships again, you know, that we just, even if you're a stranger, just afford somebody a little respect and a little courtesy and a little compassion because you never know what anybody's going through. Absolutely. Simple. So Simple. That's what I have to say to that. She, she just, she, she, she just did a little sermon for y'all. That's, that's what that was. <laughs> that was some Lucy sermon preaching. Um, Seriously, we should, we should love each other. And I think that right know. now, um, now that everybody's having to, you know, social distance and stay home and there are some stay at home orders now being put into place. Yeah. We're all socially having to realize, you know, that we value that social interaction. We value human touch and human. Oh God. Yeah. And I think that, um, it's something that once this is over, you know, hopefully it's a once in a lifetime experience. And the apocalypse doesn't return for round two. <laughs> no zombies. <laughs> I love Jesus. So, um, <laughs> no, like you just, you just got me honestly. Um, something that I personally have been struggling with in having to socially isolate and quarantine is that I'm a very tactile extrovert. Yes. Like, you know me, I hug everybody, you yes. know, this, like, and wish us. Yeah, seriously, like what you said a minute ago about the human touch, it is so important and it's necessary for our survival and something that I've been thinking about a lot um, <clears throat> in this time of isolation, especially after I finally got out and got a bike ride the other day and got yeah. to see like spring springing and I saw a bobcat and there was wildflowers blooming and like life goes on, like life yeah. is going on despite what's happening right now and the real question is i think that we should be considering is that can we actually go on without each other is this going to teach us how connected we really are and i hope yeah. it does i hope it does i i really do too um and i hope that it teaches our younger generations too just because what i'm what i've observed at least is younger generations are more digitally attached yeah they really are more, humanistically detached and i think that um this may like you know put a fire under their behinds to enjoy being outside enjoy being around people, people. i hope so i hope so but i also um I think that kind of puts them them at a slight advantage to an extent um something that's come up in the conversations i've had with my older like gen x and above friends since this went down is that there's a significant portion of millennials and then of course everybody after them gen z. that yeah gen z that has grown up really not alone like in a sense that the phone was always there you could always text somebody you could always look at social media you know the connection was there whereas for some of us that grew up in those kind of pre-technology days when we had to be alone we were really alone True. i mean really really alone there's a thing about latchkey kids mm -hmm. and this feels like to me like a little bit too familiar you know what i'm saying um, and it's also new for me because again, last time, you know, I had to isolate as a latchkey kid. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have video calls. So I yeah. think we're all experiencing so many things within new paradigms and new dynamics. And we're all just kind of adjusting to it. Like how, how do we work our way through this without our people in our faces? Right. And always being interconnected, always yeah. being around people. 
Yeah, it's, that's the thing that I miss most because I go to a live show like once or twice a week and I yeah. feel like, like, wow, where's all my people right now? This is the worst. <laughs> We're the having worst. to talk to each other digitally. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's hard. I just hope that at the end of the day, like one, I, you know, I, let me, let me actually backtrack here. I think the biggest thing here is saving lives. And yes. I think the, I think it was the Illinois governor who said, I have to make a choice between saving lives or saving livelihoods. And if right. you don't have lives, how are you going to save the livelihoods? And I yeah. think that that's going to be the biggest factor um, in whatever decisions our elected officials make um, is to make sure that we save lives. And I think that they're, they're all taking the right steps. And um, they're getting that, there. Yeah. I hope that our Congress, um, I know, I know that there's a little bit of, a tug of war right now for um, some provisions on the bailout. And I hope that they get it together because now this is, they, they did the right thing in, in saving, you know, the lives, but um, now they need to save the livelihoods. And, and I hope yes. that they make the right decisions. I, I pray that um, they step up to the plate and they, they end this tug of war and just do it. Get it done. Do it. I mean, honestly, get it done. Um, I did actually get a little bit of an update on that in the presser today before we got on the phone. And it appears as though um, the Senate has actually reached a compromise in that there will be an oversight board for the corporate funds and that it's going to be four phases. I believe the number that they spoke about was 1500 a month. Mm-hmm for most American families plus $500 for every child. And although that wouldn't take care of everything in a lot of cases, I think it's a good step forward. Like you've, you've got to do something right now. You've got to do something right now. And I agree. I maybe, maybe this will be an opportunity in all seriousness for the Senate, honestly, to get over themselves and do the right thing for once, because we are and looking it's both sides. It's both sides need to compromise. And, you know, that's how government's supposed to work. Remember? <laughs> and I always we've all people, forgotten you know, that people have asked me, um, you know, they call me Professor Professor Bento. <laughs> they say, well, um, you're Professor Bento to me. they always say professor bento has our country ever been divided as it is now because it's so divided and i say uh yeah it's called the civil war civil war (laughs) seriously like they just need to get it together i understand that i know where your students come from (laughs) (laughs) i I understand i understand but come on we like our founding fathers i always try to tell people we paint this beautiful picture of our founding fathers. They established America. Yes, and they hated each other. Yeah. A lot of them and hated each other. Yes, literally. Nobody talks about the fact that they had a duel. They had duels and killed each other. They, yes. they hated each other politically yes. and ideologically. But the greatness of who they were was that they knew that if they were to succeed, they needed to put their egos aside, they needed to put their ideologies aside and say, okay, we're going to compromise. Nobody's going to be 100% happy, but we're going to get this done. And that's the beauty. That's the honor of honoring, the beauty of honoring our founding fathers is recognizing they didn't get along. They didn't ideologically like each other. Yep. But they got it. And you've, you've just nailed it. You've just nailed it right there. 
again, duels, physical violence within shooting guns at each other. Yeah, shooting guns at each other. And these people somehow still managed to accomplish something for the greater good. And the greatest frankly, nation in the world in history of mankind. Yeah. And we're still we're still in the middle of this great experiment. And this yes. was an opportunity for them to prove that they're worthy of that legacy, frankly. Absolutely. They're in an extreme position of privilege. Now is your time to step up and really do the right thing and help the nation. The nation, yes. Yeah, and I think we all want that. It, it, that's one thing um, that's been kind of a common thread in my conversations recently is that no matter where we stand on the political spectrum right now, we're all like, okay, guys, get it together. Show me results. We, we me need something. actions. We, yeah, we, we need We need your words right now. Yep. We need you to vote. No more through. thoughts and prayers. No offense. It's time for action. But definitely pray and definitely. Oh, not saying not to. Don't stop. <laughs> I'm just saying there's more. There's more yes. than that. Yes. You know, it's time. You pray and then you act on that prayer. Yep, exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> well, I hope they get it together. Um, I think we're going to know. I think they're supposed to take a vote this evening. Yeah. On the next round of the stimulus in the Senate. And so, uh, honestly, in all seriousness, my fingers are really, really crossed that they actually accomplished something tonight and we can start getting these checks to people who are hurting. Um, my biggest thoughts right now are not just for the first responders, but for also all of those, you know, paycheck to paycheck people and creatives who have, who have lost their incomes right now. I, I, and so many people are being laid off. Yeah. So many, so many and side note, so many small businesses are going to get yes. hit so hard. That's a big thing. I would also suggest, like, if people have the ability to support those small businesses in some way. Yes. Even, like, a takeout order to a small local restaurant. Like, something yeah. like that is going to keep them going. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's a mess. And I think, or I hope that we're all going to be in this together now and really take care of each other and support each other as best we can, both financially and emotionally. Like that's yeah. the big one, the emotional one. Yeah, it's true. In, in my not so humble opinion. <laughs> you know, I just, at the end of the day, I know this. We're Americans. And one thing we know how to do is get back up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> One no, thing we know how to right. do, we know how to mess up. We know how to fall. Hold my beer. <laughs> but we know how to get back up. And that's yeah. one thing that, you know, we, we can close it out on this. Um, okay. At the end of the day, no matter what, there's always hope. And that's why we have Pure Lunacy, because we talk about the issues. We talk about these challenges, but then we stand up and we do something about it. We contribute to our communities. We go and we volunteer. We go, hopefully we get people running for office. We have people. Um, you. Know, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, called out. <laughs> yes. But that is Pure Lunacy. We gonna pray on that girl. <laughs> <laughs> That is the beauty of pure lunacy. It's that it's insane that even when we're on our knees and we feel like we can't get back up, we're going to get back up. Yeah, we are. We're, fi we're facing Together. something that's scary. Yes. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to face it anyways. Yep. And we're going to get back up together. Absolutely. I love you. 
I love you. <laughs> this is Pure Lunacy, y'all. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you. We're going to have Miss <laughs> Anna visiting definitely a few times, if not a month, then every few months. Who knows? We'll see how Pure Lunacy goes after right. this wonderful disaster. Until then, I'll talk to you <laughs> soon. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.